Oh, my little darklings, you like mysteries? We've got mysteries. You like conspiracies? We have conspiracies. You like portals? We might have a portal. Just stay tuned. You'll find out eventually. We will be back. We've got all the best in the news. The entire Paranormal 60 News crew is here with a very special guest joining us tonight. Scott Walter is here next on the Paranormal 60 News. Hello, my friends. Thank you so much for joining me. Tonight is my last live show until next Wednesday. But Monday, I have got a great episode coming up for you. We pre-recorded it today. It is a brand new episode, one you've never heard. And I was very excited to record it. I think we had a great conversation. Chaplain Jody Dean joins us, and or jo- Jody Dane, rather. Uh, she is going to talk to us about the trouble with angels. She is also the host of the Survivor Angels podcast, and it is an amazing conversation. I think many of you are going to enjoy. We did a little possession at the beginning of this week. We're going to talk a little angels and devils this next week, because remember, when we call upon the angels, who's answering? The demons, they're fallen angels, right? Those are just some of the topics we're going to cover. That's Monday night. I hope that you'll tune in and check that out. Ladies and gentlemen, the Intrepid News crew is here, sitting in a room in front of many books that are clad in leather. The one, the only. Hey, Josh. Good evening, Dave. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Oh, I see an unveiling coming a little bit into the show, or or we're about to do it now. Do we need the full complement of the crew in here first? I, we probably should. I don't want to get ahead of myself. All right. We will do the dance of the seven veils in a few moments. Ladies and gentlemen, sweet tea is in a house. Oh. Hi, Tressa. Oh, that's close. Hi, everybody. It, it is. It is very close. Welcome to the program. Thanks for being here. And rounding out the regular news crew, uh, we have the one, the only, the paranormal detective and author of messages from Mothman. This is Greg Lawson. Wow, I'm just I'm just happy and pleased and thrilled to be here. It's good to have you here. I think this is going to be my favorite show. I (laughs) I would believe so. When you hear the topics we have to cover, it's going to be amazing. Uh, Listen, the Colonel, yes, a regular uh, participant in the show, has the night off. He is busy working, doing stuff, and that's Mm. all I can say. Mm -hmm. I'm not allowed. He's like a spy. I can't tell people what he's really up to. Yeah. He might be, I don't know, throwing people into volcanoes. Who knows? He's in Hawaii. I don't know. Maybe he's burning sugar cane. All right. Let's unveil the masterpiece that is this week's shirt. Chach, what have you got Dave, do you know what's on my shirt? A piece of paper. Right now, that is correct. Yes. Thank you. This week was a very important week in the paranormal. Yes. Do you know what was released this week, Dave? I do. A brand new book. A (gasps) brand new book. By one of the greatest paranormal authors <gasps> ever. Wow. So I've done something I've never done. 
Incredible. 200 episodes of this show. What? I did not hashtag my shirt. Oh. Instead, hmm? I became a walking billboard for my friend, David Schrader. Oh, wow. Look beautiful. Look at that theater of the mind available now for all of you watching across the world or listening from any pocket universe out there. Go to Amazon order theater of the mind tales from the darkness. My brand new book is out and available for those of you living in the United States. If you'd like a signed copy, just go to paranormal 60.com on the front page. You can scroll down. You'll find a way to get the normal copy or the autographed abnormal copy. Is that the, mm. I don't know. Those are the odd number pages only that'd be normal. Yeah. Exactly. We've only put in the odd number of pages. Uh, the book is out and available. Thank you for bringing that up. And very special thanks to Nikki Folsom, the Joni to our Chachi, for all of the help in editing and putting this uh, book together with me and getting it out there and available. So thank you. That and the maker of tonight's shirt, Dave. Wow. Oh, wow. Yes. So talented. It's an instrumentalist. Yes. Does everything. Pretty impressive. Very nice. Let's uh, Speaking of impressive and nice, we have a special oh, guest joining oh. us tonight not you sweet tea okay. and uh he has been a part of my shows for nigh on 15 years now joining me on all of the different iterations to talk about amazing things and we've got a new story that uh has come out we're going to discuss in a few minutes but first let's bring on forensic geologist tv personality author and <laughs> i can't say it because it sounds dirty when it comes out of my mouth uh what do you what do you call yourself what kind of agate specialist are you i am an agate hound do you see the pattern on my chest right there i do thank you for standing all the way up because originally <laughs> that just looked like one big nipple <laughs> I got right here. no um almost impressive almost as impressive as the theater of the mind shirt but not quite so but anyway it's great to be here dave and i'm looking forward to having this conversation but i am going to do something real quick if you don't mind and, and by the way, I want to congratulate you on your new book. That's fantastic. Thank you. I have a new book coming out next month, and this is part of the working draft that I was Looks a little thin, Scott. I'm not going to lie. That, that <laughs> I think like that's a, very... a pamphlet. <laughs> Oak Island, Knights Templar, and the Holy Grail. Secrets oh. of the Underground Project Revealed. Yes. I love that. Huh? And, it's and good. he has me narrating it. <laughs> yes. Here is the rest of the manuscript. It's right here. And mm -hmm. I was out in New York with my co-author and we did a number of things. But one of the things was we went through the manuscript and it's going to be good. And we're going to reveal the secrets, but not tonight. Huh. I do have another secret that many of you may not know about. Scott is back. He's on TV. He's on Gaia with a new series called Mystery of the Knights yeah. Templar. We have a link for that show in tonight's program guide so you can find it. Go subscribe to Gaia. See all of the amazing programming there, and you can check out the episodes. You're on episode number four right now. Is that correct? Yep. It, it premiered on Monday, and for the next six weeks, there's going to be six more episodes for a total of ten, and they just get better and better and better. But the first episode... We talk a lot about the subject matter that I think you want to talk about here tonight, Atlantis. Well, let's, yeah, let's dive into that. Uh, Greg, you brought to me an article about a strange find off the coast of Australia. Where, where are we going to start with this now? Yeah, man. Um, you know, when, when I first saw that, it, it, uh, it, it struck my interest, uh, but it also didn't surprise me. 
Uh, we're, we're, you know, that we have such good technology now and it's getting better and better and better. And even when I was in the Navy, uh, the technology that they were using then that was top secret is now open source. So, right. you know, we can see underwater really well now. So off the uh, north coast of Australia, um, you know, like in a lot of these underwater uh, interesting, oh, what would you say? Uh, these these inter interesting topography underwater. Uh, you start looking at it and it's like, wow, that kind of looks like a, a riverbed was there and it looks like there was a lake and, and, you know, like off of uh, the coast of India, um, in, in the Epic of India, they talk about uh, all these different cities and Krishna was from a place called Dwarka and the Dwarka that exists today that people actually are in, isn't the Dwarka that was in his time. And uh, a lot of these uh, oil exploration uh, uh, units will go out and look for this stuff. And they're finding all this interesting stuff. So anyway, off the north uh, coast of Australia, they found an uh, archipelago in about 300 feet of water, which depending on what you look at, uh, 12,000, 16,000 years ago or so, uh, would have been above, above the water table now. Or actually, the, the water was down then, I should say. So, um, like a lot of areas, yeah, th this thing is probably a, uh, a land mass that would have uh, supported anywhere from 50 to half a million people. Um, and, and, you know, we, we all, that, that's a big scale from 50 people to a half million. Yeah. Well, okay. you know, we're not hedging your bets, there. Greg. It, it just, it just depends on, you know, how much chow you have to, I guess, right? you know, it really does. Can I just jump in for a sec? Yeah, this is please. really interesting, but I'm not at all surprised because I think what we have to think about here and remember, I'm a rockhead, I'm a geologist. I do it for a living. And actually, my concentration when I was studying up at the University of Minnesota Duluth was glacial quaternary geology. And quaternary geology is basically the last two million years of geological time. And that was the time of the great ice ages. And we had multiple advances and retreats. Uh, but the last uh, retreat, if you will, the great melting of the ice, and that's a rich topic that I don't think we'll dive in too deep. But what is important for people to understand is that when you go back about 12, 13, 14, 15,000 years, we had a lot more ice and a lot less water in the oceans. And so the continents were larger because you lower the water level. You said 300 feet. That's right in the wheelhouse because we estimate that sea level has risen because of the melting of the continental ice sheets about three to 400 feet. And if you think about that, when you go back to these ancient times, to the time of the Atlanteans and before, and we'll get into that, um, most of the people lived on the coastlines because right. that's where all the food is, right? And so from an archaeological standpoint, if you think about it, probably I, I've heard numbers anywhere from 75 to 80 to 90 percent of the, of the ancient archaeological sites are underwater. Yeah, um, three to four hundred feet in many cases because those um, ancient sites have been drowned by the rising sea level. So this this is one of those. I mean, what you're describing is just classic, typical, um, you know, post glacial sea level rise. 
uh, cultures and, and their sites that have been drowned and are just sitting there waiting for us to explore them. And, and it's funny when you, when you talk to a lot of uh, uh, academics about this stuff, if you would have talked to them uh, 30 years ago, they would have kind of just, ah, you know, it's not that big, you know, every, every once in a while there's something there. Uh, but now I think most of the academics, most of the people that are, are reading and staying up with this is like, whenever we're able to routinely reach three, 400 feet, we're going to find all kinds of things. You know, I, I'll tell you just a really quick story. There was a, a, a guy that was a guest on our show. His name was Dennis Sanford. And he was um, an archaeologist at the Smithsonian Institution in Washington. He wrote a book called Across Arctic Ice. And basically, he had a thesis that uh, cultures that were living in Europe, what is now France, the British Isles, and, and that area, walked across following the seals along Arctic ice along the North Atlantic, and then down along the eastern seaboard of North America. And he... Um, what they found that talked about these cultures and the type of points, uh, obsidian points that were big ones like this, the way that they found them is that fishermen were putting their nets down on the East Coast, three to 400 feet, and they were dragging along the bottom when they were getting fish, but they were scooping up some of these points and they ended up in their nets. And, th and these were some of the artifacts that he talked about as a guest on the show. And I was just amazed by that. And, you know, I, I, as a side note, he was one of the most open-minded, nice guys uh, as a, from the standpoint of, of archaeologists that I've met. Uh, I've ran into some real donkeys over the years, and I'm sure they'd probably say the same about me. But this guy was, was wonderful and uh, unfortunately passed away a few years ago. But, but think about that. The way they were finding these points is these fishnets dragging on the bottom of the ocean. I just think that's cool as hell. That's very cool. Yeah. But Scott, uh, every, every time uh, we, we see um, into the ocean and see, after, I think it was off the Great Barrier Reef a few years ago, they found what looked like um, pilings going out, which might have like been along the side of roadways at one point. We keep hearing the terms uh, Atlantis, Lemuria, things that these lost civilizations yeah. um, and how in this current environment, 21st century, with LIDAR and all of the equipment we have, are we not able to see and map the bottom of the oceans more clearly and know what's down there? Well, we are. go ahead, We're, Greg. Yeah, we, we are. There, uh, uh, oil exploration, uh, the military, they are doing incredible work. And, uh, I mean, you can see, you know, uh, um, where they're dumping trash and you can see bicycles and you can see all kinds of stuff. Uh, very, very deep. Um, and, and, but and the Scott, bottom? Would you, yeah, yeah. The, the uh, bottom, bottom, the bottom, bottom. Yeah. Where it's, it goes all the way down. And, uh, and Scott, you were talking about the, the, the point, I think, I don't know if you're referencing Doggerland, but I know in the 1930s, they were, uh, they were dragging, uh, bottom nets, uh, between in the North sea, uh, just north of Britain, between Britain and the uh, and uh, e the European continent, um, that whole that whole valley would have would have been there, uh, mm -hmm. and you would have been able to walk across right there. Right. So, yep. yep. I, yeah, I remember when I was a kid. Yeah, I, I remember when I was a kid. Uh, uh, our a lot of our teachers uh, would say, "No, no, no. It's this is the way things are." And and they were just 
they didn't understand plate tectonics and and I when it, that that theory came up in the 1930s, right? Plate tectonics. No, 1960s with the Challenger expedition, they did all this drilling in all of the oceans. It was like an eight-year program. I remember I read about that and I I found it so fascinating because it was one of the greatest most important, um, you know, natural geological discoveries uh, of how the earth actually worked was plate tectonics. And that happened in the 1960s. And when I was in college in the late 70s, you know, the the papers um, and our professors were really just getting their heads around it. And I could tell the excitement that they had because, and this is one of the things I love about geology is it's so logical. Everything fits together. It makes sense. And that's what drew me to geology. But this whole plate tectonic thing was a revolution in the understanding of how our earth works and landforms and volcanoes and trenches in the oceans. And, you know, I mean, for people that are geologists, it may not be exciting, but for us, it was like as good as it gets. So nerds, a uh, quick question for you. Um, <laughs> could, could the lost lands of Atlantis and Lemuria then be at the top of mountain peaks, could the, the tectonics have pushed and crushed and instead of burying these things, have pushed them skyward and created, and I'm doing interpretive dance for those of you listening. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Uh, pushed it skyward. So we're looking maybe in the wrong places for these lost civilizations. Well, Dave, Dave, we got to tap the brakes for a second. Okay. I love your thinking. It's, it, mm -hmm. it, it mm -hmm. makes sense, but you have to understand that these processes take a long time. I mean, we're talking millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of years. Oh, we lost the signal from <laughs> Scott. I think I what he was getting that. at is I'm, ex I'm right. I'm right. And uh, yeah. he, he just can't believe I got to it so much faster. Oh, wait, we've reestablished. Oh, is that how it's going to be? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> get used wow. to it. Get used yeah, to it. no, for sure. Get used to it. Nobody's safe. I can push <laughs> well, the button on anyone. Thank you very no, much. Okay, so it takes millions of years Whoa, for these look things. look at the time. Holy cow. <laughs> anyway. Well, I know in the article it referenced the fact that they think some of these areas are 65,000 years or older that they're mm -hmm. uncovering. So that's I didn't know that, but I guess you're giving us that insight that like a, a, the tectonic plates pushing things into mountaintops would take much more than a period of 100,000 years to, yeah. to push it out of our view. Although, you know, we've seen um, some active volcanism in places like Hawaii and Iceland and other parts of the world where things can happen fairly quickly. But when we're talking about tectonic plates that are, you know, hundreds and thousands and tens and hundreds of thousands of square miles, that takes a little bit longer. And um, we're not going to we're not going to see that in our lifetime. That's for sure. All right. So I'm question. just curious. Let, let me ask real quick, and then I'll let you have it, sweet tea. I just wanted to know, though, across the board, Chachi, starting with you, the, the idea and concept that there are these lost civilizations that Plato has spoken about and others have come afterwards, do you believe that these truly existed, or do you think that they were uh, hybridizations of, of cultures and ideas that this great philosopher was trying to share knowledge and, and bleeding that together? What's your thoughts, Chachi? A lot of big words in there to dissect, Dave. Um, I'm going to take this, as Scott would say, let's tap the brakes here. Let's take it a step back. Um, I do believe that there were civilizations that existed, that as the waters recede and are now rising to Scott's point over millions of years, we will get to uh, see them again, but not in our lifetime. All right. What about you, Sweet Tea? Did these 
did these lands, these, these peoples really exist at some point or are they fairy tales? Uh, I'll use this as my opportunity instead of a question. Uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, I'm sure there were civilizations everywhere that have been sunken or whatever, covered in water, but I don't think they're all Atlantis. Like, why does every single right. land mass have to be Atlantis? Well, that's the curious point, right? We hear of these two, Atlantis and Lemuria, the most, at least that's what I hear. Maybe it's because of the world we walk in. Those are the two that are most closely related to um, you know, possible alien incursion or, or things. So we get to hear those more often. Uh, Greg, what are your thoughts? Do you believe that the actual places of Atlantis and Lemuria at one point existed? I do. Um, I, I, there's, there's too much evidence out there that these, um, these civilizations, I guess, uh, existed, so while they may be, uh, uh, um, I don't know, turned into legend, uh, uh, they they might have been, you know, added to. But a- absolutely, this this came from somewhere. There's there's too much evidence there. All right, and then uh, Sweet Tea, did you have a specific question you wanted to throw out there now, or did you kind of well, blend it into your answer? Kind of. It's just why does this specific article? in australia why does that have to be atlantis it, it just seems weird to me that every single time we find new uh covered in water landmass, it's atlantis like i'm sure it's everywhere all over the globe scott what do you make of that why why the popularity with atlantis that that's the first place we jump to <laughs> well because atlantis has sort of been um you know weaving throughout history um for a long time. I mean, you know, Brother Francis Bacon talked, wrote, uh, <clears throat> wrote about the New Atlantis. And so let me just give you a quick synopsis, if, if you don't mind, about, about what Atlantis is, according to the tradition that I am a part of. It's a Templar tradition that um, we talk about in the new show for the first time. And basically what it is, is Atlantis was a worldwide culture that existed and was connected to the pyramids that we find all around the world, ancient uh, historical sites, Machu Picchu, and I mean, the list goes on and on, and and they're on every single continent. And there was this high culture that existed, but what happened about 13,000 years ago, some people wanna nail it down to 12,500 years ago, there was a catastrophic event. And one of the most, uh, I guess, well-known examples of something catastrophic that happened is Gobekli Tepe. Are you guys familiar with Gobekli Tepe? Yes, um, but for our listeners that may not, can you give a summary of that as well? Yeah, well, it was discovered about 25, 30 years ago. And um, basically what it is, it's in uh, Turkey, and it's an, it's an ancient observatory that has these amazing carved standing monoliths that are, you know, in circular structures and and they've only uncovered about 5% of it, but clearly it's an ancient observatory. And what they're doing there now is a science called archaeoastronomy. And basically what they're doing is they're looking at the alignments of these various standing stones and they can calculate when they were lined up with particular constellations and, um, you know, in the distant past. And we're talking about 
over 13,000 years ago when Gobekli Tepe was covered up, mm. covered up intentionally. So the question is, why did they do that? Well, the reason is they knew something catastrophic was coming. And I, I, I don't know how far you want me to run down the rabbit hole, but um, there's something called precession of the equinoxes. And essentially what happens is we have the 12 primary constellations of the zodiac that encircle the earth. But because of the earth's wobble, it slowly rotates and it's measured on the spring equinox at sunrise. And if you go to a high point anywhere on the earth, the astronomer priests of many cultures all around the world would look to the east on that before the sun rose and the zodiacal belt goes through the eastern sky and whatever constellation was sitting on the horizon and then the sun rose through that, that was considered sacred. That was that age, whether it was Aries, Sagittarius, uh, Gemini, Leo the lion. I'll give you an example. You know, they talk about in Egypt, the pyramids being 4,500 years old. That's what the, the Egyptologists have been saying for a long time. Well, that's flat out BS. The um, uh, Leo has been around for at least 10,000 years and was, was actually Leo the lion, the Sphinx, right, was um, ahead, the head of a lion in the past when it was first carved out of the out of the stone there in Egypt but about 4500 years ago the head was recarved into the head of a priest or of a of a pharaoh and the work of Dr. Robert Schock a geologist that I highly respect and and know personally uh says that this thing is over 10,000 years old and several years ago I was at a conference and I said hey Robert um you understand procession right and at the time that this thing was built over 10,000 years ago Leo the lion was looking at itself, that constellation in the eastern sky at sunrise on the spring equinox. That is hard science, right? And so this cycle that takes 26,000 years for all 12 constellations to cycle through the eastern sky is one great year, as they call it, and the 12 constellations are called a great month. And I, I could you know, keep going on this. But the point is, is that 13,000 years ago, or about one half cycle, the Atlantean culture worldwide knew that something catastrophic was coming. Now, the current working hypothesis is that our Earth, our solar system, in fact, intersected a massive meteorite shower that pelted the Earth and basically wiped out uh, pretty much all of this Atlantean culture. According to our Templar tradition, what they did was they knew this was going to happen because it had happened before, about every 13,000 years. That's why Gobekli Tepe was covered up to protect it. But what they also did is they hid information, technology, uh, maps, relics, remains of important people in the eastern region. And for some day, and the survivors of that cataclysm eventually uh, became the um, Assyrians, the um, um, ancient ancient cultures that that uh, passed on this knowledge. And eventually, in the year 1100, certain Templar families that were bloodline and ideological descendants of these Atlanteans going through Egypt and 
uh, Israel, Egypt, and beyond, knew that it was time to assert themselves. And so they formed this Templar order, the Knights Templar. They captured Jerusalem. Hello? I lost it. Yep. Okay. We're with you. My screen went dark for a sec. I thought, okay, I got to shut up. But anyway, what <laughs> happened was they, they captured Jerusalem. And everybody thinks the standard narrative is the Templars fought, you know, the, the Crusades for Christendom and, and got back to Holy Land. And that's a bunch of BS. That was not the true mission. What they did was establish a base of operations in the region so they could go throughout these countries and these areas, including Egypt, Turkey, Jordan, Syria, Lebanon, uh, Israel, and round up the stuff that they knew was there that the Atlanteans had left for them. And then when they were done in the 12 or 1180s, of course, history will tell you they were defeated by the Muslims and driven out. No, they were done. It was an organized, intentional withdrawal because the plan all along was to reestablish that ancient culture called Atlantis far to the West. And of course, you know what happened with the Templars in 1307. They were put down by the church and the Rome, uh, and the uh, monarchies, uh, King Philip the Fair of France, and they disappeared into history. And of course, that's BS too. They just went underground. They brought those treasures, that knowledge, the relics, the technology over here for someday. And they hid it all across North America, well, on the eastern seaboard of North America, including Oak Island. Oak Island? Uh, yeah. And then the founding fathers, who were the ideological and bloodline descendants of that same tradition, picked up the mantle, recovered the artifacts, the wealth, the remains, the technology, and they founded something called the United States of America. And that's that's the secret. That's the story of the true story of the founding of our country. As Francis Bacon said, the new Atlantis, some people call it the new Jerusalem uh, in other documents that we have that I was out East talking about with my friend, Don, uh, some called it the free Templar state. And I just want to say one last thing that I want people to remember because mm -hmm. now more than ever in this society today, especially in our politics, on both sides of the aisle. These morons have no idea what they're talking about. They talk about the Constitution. They talk about the tenets within it. And our founding fathers that wrote those amazing documents would be rolling over in their graves right now. Remember, this all goes back to the put down and the persecution of the Roman Catholic Church of the Templars. That's why we have a separation of church and state in our constitution. It's very important. We are not a Christian nation. We have mostly Christians here and that's great, but we have Muslims, Buddhists, uh, we have Native American people. All of our blood is red, right? And whatever you mm -hmm. call deity, God, Yahweh, whatever, we're all talking about the same thing. So there is no one religion and that mm -hmm. is what our founding fathers um, were saying in that in our constitution. And the other thing is that people forget is we fought the revolution against a monarchy. So let's not forget, folks. It's important to understand where we came from. And if we don't understand that, we have no chance of understanding where we're going to go in the future. And I hope that makes sense. My speech is over. Thank you very much. Just throw money. <laughs>
Scott, 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 for everyone here, Dave, real fast, Scott. Yeah. Why don't we invite Scott back on the show when he's got actually some information to share with us? Let's talk about Agus. I mean, something. God, I'll have a uh, it's Thank too you. bad Thank there's not a series on television that could go into uh, the mysteries yeah. we of should the do Knights Templar. Or the Knights Templar. History has suggested that it was an order founded in 1118 specifically to defend pilgrims. But we know, in fact, this was actually a cover. The Templar Order was founded because there was a knowledge that, that there had been a pre-Diluvian civilization and that it had collapsed during a massive cataclysm. And not only that, but the Mayans and other Nuwadal cultures, they all had a myth that they had come from a previous civilization that had been destroyed by cataclysm. So what I'm hearing you say is that Atlantis was not necessarily a place that sunk into the ocean. It was a high culture. Yeah, it was more like a worldwide network. The Templars understood that they needed to track down the pockets of survival of the knowledge, the technology, the philosophies that had been preserved from this pre-Diluvian civilization. Mysteries of the Knights Templar only on Gaia. We have a link for that on today's program guide, so make sure you check it out and go witness the series that Scott is a part of. Amazing series as well. A lot of great information. And if you think in just the little encapsulation he gave you here tonight was a lot of holy beep, I got to think about this. Wait till you see the series and what they uncover, what they're able to share. And that's of what you are able to talk about, Scott, what is that? One, one billionth of what the real knowledge is out there? Yeah, yeah, it really is. And, you know, I mean, the, the truth is, is and, and this was really one of the main themes of America on Earth that we did, is a lot of this history, the truth about what happened has been intentionally covered up. And, you know, uh, well, I, I don't want to run down the rabbit hole too far, but when I first came to that realization in real life after working on the Kensington runestone and realizing that how important it was and what it meant to the truth about what really happened, not just here in North America, but really across the world. It was, it was mind blowing at first. It was humbling, but it also pissed me off. And, um, you know, I just, I just don't like when things, uh, when the truth, when the truth isn't told. And um, that's, that's what I do. I do forensics for a living. And um, it started in the construction field and then it moved into these strange artifacts and, and morphed into this amazing history that we've uncovered. And, you know, at, at this time with, with the technology we have and, you know, the information uh, ability to get information out to a lot of people instantly um, those, 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 walls of deception are slowly crumbling. Um, you know, this technology also can work in, in the wrong way too. And some of that is happening, but you know, the truth will come. I mean, it's like we always say, right? Those dirty little secrets, eventually they bubble to the surface and it'll happen here too. And Atlantis is a huge part of that. And it's time the world knew um, so you know, for our own good. Sweet Tea posed an interesting question. Why do all of these areas that surface 
uh, do we want to call it Atlantis? If this was truly a high culture, could it be that that all of these places that we are finding now were part of Atlantis, the, yep. the high culture, that status, that's all the part that's now gone. Yes. And, um, you know, what we're finding, too, is that there's there's massive networks of underground uh, societies or, or, you know, underground um, refuges that that's that the survivors, many of the survivors of that cataclysm, um, you know, wrote it out down there. And then when they came back, we are the descendants of those survivors. And that information is now being uh, disseminated for us to do something with it. And um, let's let's do a good job with it. But it starts with the truth. And uh, I mean, what more can I say? I mean, now more than ever, the truth is important. It seems like there's more disinformation and misinformation. And it's really up to all of us to be responsible and dig for the truth and not be, you know, not be fooled by this nonsense that's out there. And and that's that's part of what why I'm doing this. I, I, I just think it's that important. Well, we do too. Scott, thank you so much for the work you do. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to pop on with us for a half an hour tonight. And we'll look forward to connecting to you when the new book is out. All right. That sounds great, Dave. Thank you so much. You've been a great friend for many years and I got three new friends here and it was Yay. great working with you guys and we'll see you soon. Okay. Thank yes, you very please. much. Scott Walter, make sure you check out the new show again on Gaia. We have a link for Mysteries of the Night Templar on tonight's program guide. Go watch it. Check it out for yourself. I think you guys are going to absolutely love it. If you are a fan of this show and all of the information that we cover here and you want to start getting to the real answers behind the cultures, the gods, the mindsets from where we once came, that is the show you want to tune into and check. Scott is an amazing wealth of knowledge and always one of my favorite people to talk to. And I had a chance, Chachi. You got to go with me to Scott's house and see the uh, the the items when he took us over to his uh, secret lair. I can't give that information out, but he took us and allowed us to go see some of the collections he has of these lost artifacts. And we've had him on the show talking about some of these alien artifacts. It's really amazing. In his possession. Yes. In his possession. It, it was amazing. I wish I would have got a chance to ask him about it. I mean, he talked about all that stuff tonight, and yet his real knowledge is agate, right? So if he knows that much about that, imagine what he knows about agate. And he openly <laughs> shared it with us when we got to go to his house, and I was just sitting there with my jaw dropped open. The amount of information that he has in his head about uh, agate, and as well as these other topics we learned tonight, it, it's amazing. I hope he someday opens up a... Um, a museum of sorts to share what he has. I hope he gets to do that because people would love to see it. I have it on good authority. I can't say anything about it yet, but I have it on good authority that Scott is going to be joining me at one of the premier paranormal conferences this year. And uh, Greg's quite familiar with it. That's all I can say. But as soon as we know more, as soon as ink has dried and contracts are written, we will Mm. let you know for sure. And uh, hopefully you'll get a chance to come out and see some of the cool items that he has and and get a chance to hear uh, his presentations and the amazing facts that he has. And I will say this, um, Oak Island, if you've been fascinated by that TV show, but feeling like there's something missing, there is, and Scott Walter knows. So you guys will get a little bit more information about that coming up later on as well. And as soon as his book is out, we'll get him back on the show. We may make it like a three-part series here on the program so we can get in deep and really get to understand everything that's going on. 
Uh, we I'm so excited just... that we have a new host. It's yes, going to be so great. You shut up. <laughs> Always so, so hurtful. We have to take just a very quick break. When we come back, we've got more to discuss. Conspiracies, a portal to another dimension may mm-hmm. have been found in one of the most unlikely places. We've got that and more to discuss right here on the Paranormal 60 News. Hey friends, it's me, your old pal Dave, and listen, my little darklings, I've got some news to share with you. If you're like me, and I'm sure that you are, why? Because you're listening to my show and like the things I like, can relate to the things that are going on in my life, I know that I can help you put some much-needed money back in your pocket because I have. I work with Rocket Money, not just as a sponsor for this show, but in my real world. I was spending money like crazy that I didn't even realize I was spending. Subscriptions and other silly things I'd paid for that continue to be rebuild, and I want to get control of my finances. Rocket Money was the answer for me, and it can be the answer for you as well. The other day, I got charged for... Well, I don't want to name the service, but I subscribed to that forever ago. Honestly, I I completely forgot about it because it's just one of those annual charges, and I stopped using it after just a few months. I tried to cancel it, and the only way to do it was by calling their customer service number. But of course, whenever I call, there's no one in. It's this maddening pace of trying to cancel, sending in emails, going through texts, hitting up their website, going through customer service, and yet I find myself distracted, forget about it, and there it is, billed again next year. Rocket Money, on the other hand, was able to take care of this for me quickly, easily, and painlessly. That's my favorite part. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that actually finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions. It'll monitor your spending and help you lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users just like me, and it's helped them save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash p60. Rocketmoney.com slash p60. One more time. Say it with me this time, kids. Rocketmoney.com slash p60. You'll be glad you did. That's right. It is time to shift the paranormal. Oh, I said shift. Grow up, everybody. If you want to come on out and investigate the paranormal with me and Dalen Spratt from Graveyard Shift, the Ghost Brothers, Ghost Brothers Lights Out, and Fright Club, this is going to be an amazing weekend. April 19th through the 21st at the Palmer House Hotel in Sauk Center, Minnesota. It will be a weekend of fun, fascinating information, and If you're not too careful, you might just have an experience with the other side. Get more information at darknessevents.com. That's darknessevents.com. In winter's grasp, a chilling tale unfolds. Wanted Magazine's issue 40, Secrets to be Told. Al Capone's ghost, in shadows it creeps. A spectral mobster, where darkness seeps. 14 signs of a poltergeist's might, haunting whispers in the silent night. Pascagoula UFO, 50 years gone by, a cosmic encounter reaching the sky. The ghost train of Tate Bridge echoes in the mist, a phantom journey where souls exist. Wanted Magazine Issue 40 is out now. Available from selected outlets and bit.ly forward slash Haunted Magazine. Don't be normal. 
the paranormal. All right, we are back, and what an evening it has become. Scott Walter walking us through the concepts and ideologies behind Atlantis. Do you guys feel like you've learned more about Atlantis than you expected when we said, hey, let's talk about this story tonight on the show? Yeah, I thought we were going to talk about landmass. This is great. Yeah, yeah. I like that we're able to uncover different elements and having experts like Scott who are willing to step forward and share a little bit of insight with us. Greg, I know you've done a lot of deep dives. You've been in the Navy. You've had a chance to explore and see the world yourself. Before we completely let go of the Atlantis uh, aspect, was there any part of the article that intrigued you uh, to the concept that there may be more to this find and that we are about to uncover something massive? Well, I think that it's going to, they're going to concentrate a lot more and look at it a lot closer to find out whether there were any cities or whether it was just, you know, um, uh, some hunter gatherers that, that live there. I, I get really excited about this stuff because there, there's so many things that, that are mysteries to us, right? There, we have all these legends and everything, but all of this stuff I know for a fact is laying in the water right now for us to find. We just have to have the technology to get that for regular people to get that deep and to go to those, uh, those locations that, uh, are going to hold these things because it's all there 300 feet deep on the coast. That's where the humans were building things. That's what they were doing. They were shipping, they were doing everything. And it's really exciting. Cause I think in the next hundred years, uh, the, the stuff that they're going to find down there is going to be amazing. You know, I had a chance for many years to work in the gold and silver industry, uh, collectible coins and such. And I had a chance to talk to some people that were involved in reclamation of treasure ships wow. and the things that they would find. And it was so funny. One of the guys I was talking to, he goes, Dave, what's so annoying is how many things you've probably stepped over at the beach, having wow. no clue that it's worth a half a million dollars. And, uh, I'm like, what, somebody's iPod in the sand. They're like, he's like, no, he goes, I don't know how some of these guys who've never seen this stuff before know what they're looking for, but they'll go down and see what you and I looks like a crusty rock. And they'll go that right there. That is a, a pure silver wine decanter. And you're like, dude, what? And they bring it up and they do the cleansing process and the, the, the stuff starts breaking off of it. And there's this gorgeous pure silver wine decanter. And it's because they know that the coral that looks like this only grows on things that are silver. And, and these little barnacles only grow and multiply on gold or copper. And I was, my mind was like, what, what are you saying? And it was like, yeah, you have no clue. Garbage rock things you've kicked into the water and messed with at the beach could be a knot of gold coins and you would have absolutely no idea what you've got in your hands. So there are so many amazing treasures that are, are close to us. One of my, my favorite pieces uh, I have is a, a, a coin from the El Cazador, which sunk right outside of New Orleans, not far. This, this ship was loaded with gold and silver to help uh, the Spanish keep control of uh, New Orleans and that part of America at the point, the ship sunk. They didn't have that infusion of money, that infusion of food and, and all the things that they were waiting to come over. That's what led to the Louisiana purchase. 
And that's what led to America becoming America. Those coins that were aboard were the original American silver dollars. So these treasure pieces, and I, I own a few of them, are really cool because it's like literally these coins not making it 20 more miles inland changed the shape of our history. And I, I that just blows me away. I love when I can collect and own pieces like that. And unfortunately, I don't have many in my collection, but I love when I got these amazing stories that come with history and, and the pieces that, uh, that are, are, like I said, 20 miles out. And it was only found like in the last 30 years, the shipwreck and it's hundreds, you know, hundred, 200 years old. Crazy. Yeah, there, you know, with, with a, a lot of the rivers that are kind of drying up because we're pulling all the water out of everything, there's these, uh, civil war wrecks that are popping up here and there. Uh, I did some research about 25 years ago on the coast of Texas. I am now a um, honorary Texas admiral in the Texas Navy. Name dropper. Um, yeah. And uh, uh, through a bunch of people that were doing research, we actually found one of the old uh, ships from the Republic of Texas, and it's actually buried underneath a restaurant's parking lot right <laughs> on the beach. And it just so happens that's the restaurant that Chachi just purchased unbelievable uh, yeah. yeah so well, he's bringing long john silvers back so thank you <laughs> dave for, forgive me but i thought this was a drinking show and somehow it's become educational tonight yeah, uh, sorry about that I've, i still to catch had a up. chance to drink during scott's uh conversation what yeah. are you drinking there chachi scotch scotchy <laughs> it is what hashtag scotchy greg what's your uh, drink of choice this evening uh ben milam bourbon Bing. Ooh. Ooh. Good very call. Nice. Awesome. Very nice. What have you got going, sweet teeth? Oh, well, I started off with a Barbary Coast. Barbary Coast. It's a weird word, right? Yeah, Barbary And Coast. very Not really. strong drink. But uh, then I went to Pinot Grigio because that was a very oh. strong drink. Nice. But yeah, it's good times. Uh, I get you can you. see how I... to make it on my Instagram. Wink. That's right. Yeah, we've got uh, any anytime <laughs> you're interested funny, in the drinks that Sweet Tea's got, you can go check her Instagram, and we have links for Greg and for Sweet Tea on every one of these news programs. So go check them out, and you can see the video. She actually shows you how she makes each one of the drinks. She shows you the dusty old Rolodex she has to dig through to magically select the perfect drink for each episode. So yeah. go take a look at it. They're always entertaining. Uh, all right, do you feel a little bit better now, Chachi, now that we've talked about alcohol again? Can we just talk about a little more? <laughs> I'm, I'm game. Let's go. What? It's time now for upon further review. Yeah. Upon I'm so further excited tonight. Are you? Because I think the movie we're going to talk about, which you uh, reviewed, uh -huh. I actually watched this week. <gasps> I think. I'm not sure. Let's talk about it. Let's Did find you out. Know? Usually people, uh, I re request one of my friends, my many friends, and we're going to have Scott Walter do one. We've got to come up with a perfect movie to make yeah. Scott Walter watch. Something that's really jacked up with uh, the, yes. all the archaeology is wrong. Yes. yes. <laughs> Lots of boobs. Lots of yes. boobs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. Some things. horror, scary movie that that's dealing with that. But anyway, usually I uh, task somebody, but I have had. I'm kidding you or not kidding you here. I've had probably about 25 emails come to me saying, Dave, have you seen nefarious? And I'm like, no, what about 
nefarious. You oh, have yeah. to see this movie. You will love it. And I'm like, I don't know. I kind of feel like they're throwing the line out there, trying to reel me in like I've done to so many of my friends. So I went online just to check out the trailer and let's take a look together. Oh, Execution scheduled for 11 p.m. But he's trying to convince us he's gone insane. And therefore incapable of being executed. I need you to prove he's faking it. Edward? I'm gonna ask you some questions. I'm not Edward. I'm a demon. Demons aren't really a thing. What happened to Edward? We own him. We? He's a master manipulator. You have your head so twisted around you think you're the killer, not him. And give me something to make him believe you. Prove to me you're a demon. Probably just a coincidence. I want to talk to the real Edward. Edward. Makes me do bad things. I can't stop him. I need you to see something. You got a fan. Did the same thing with all his victims. Help me! I'm trying to, Edward, but you have to answer my questions. You have to tell me the truth. It won't let me! It can go away. It can go away. Yes? No. Exactly what it is that we'd like you to do. <laughs> yeah, I was sold. It's Sean Patrick Flannery, one of my absolute favorite actors. You know, he was young Indiana Jones in the old TV series, Young Indiana Jones Chronicle. <gasps> he was Powder in the movie Powder. Powder. That's where I recognized him from. He is yeah. one of the McManus brothers from. Boondock Saints, one of my all-time favorite movies. He has been on so many different programs, so many different things. He is a great actor. And I have to tell you, I am surprised that this movie slipped past me without me even knowing that it came out. I am surprised after watching this movie that he was not nominated for an Academy Award. His acting is brilliant. He is so good at what he does in this movie. And this movie could basically, and I would love to put this on as a stage play because it is basically one set the entire time. It is this psychologist and this prisoner sitting in the cell talking as the, the counselor's trying to decide the fate of this man. Is he crazy? Will he save his life by saying he's insane? Or is he sly as a fox and this guy knows it? And you're kind of sliding between realities throughout the entire thing. And there are subtleties that Sean Patrick Flannery does 
that are so brilliant in this role that it keeps you guessing throughout the entire movie. I loved this flick, Nefarious. I would say, honestly, one out of five um, uh, Phantoms to rate this movie, I'm going to put this movie at a serious 4.75 Phantoms. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's how good I thought this movie was. Chachi, apparently you watched it. What did you think? I, I, I was an hour into the movie. And I was like, I've just been watching two people at a table in a room. In a room. And I have been just absolutely enthralled with the conversation of the two. I'm like, how did they do this? I mean, the budget must have been $19 because it was a room and a person, right? Right. But how Sean Patrick Flannery goes back and forth, and I don't want to give it away, but between his prisoner and this demon that he's saying that he is, um, unbelievable. Unbelievable. At least 4.75. And what made it so creepy, you don't need the eyes turning white or the head twisting around or the voices, although there are some twists to his voice throughout the series uh, or throughout the, the movie, they don't lean into the standard tropes and he is creepy, creepy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so dark, so creepy. It reminded me almost of that movie Primal Fear with Richard Gere and Edward Norton. Yep. Um, which was very well done. And this felt like a, a, a paranormal themed version of that. And uh, definitely worth your time to watch if you have not seen this. And honestly, I don't know why this movie was not gifted some award for the acting and the cinematography. Uh, and is it just me or did the guy that play the psychologist, did he not look like he could be Christopher Reeve's son? Yeah, he he's... Uh very distinct looking now how many how many phantoms would you give this chachi oh at least 4.75 yeah i would watch it again because i think there are things that you miss because there are a couple times you just kind of turn away like what what's about to happen i don't want to see right and again for two people to be sitting at a table and have you that enthralled mm -hmm. amazing i'm looking here at the box office it made 5.4 million dollars the only thing I can wow. think is the marketing budget wasn't there to market no. it because I had never heard of it until it was on Amazon Prime and it popped up there. I, wa it, I watched it by accident. So. Was it in theaters or was it just streaming? Yeah, I made it it. Five million bucks in the theater. I had no idea. Two tickets April, nowadays, I think. April last year, it made it into the theater. So you watched it by accident as well, Greg? Yeah, I was I was just flipping through and it was there and it was very very intriguing. You know, uh, it, it, if you have a a, t, a TV show or a movie about let's say uh, uh, doing radio, you can sit there and watch things that are messed up. It's like oh that's this. Yeah, it was really interesting when the uh, the detective and the and the doctor go into the the witness room and they take the doctor's cell phone away from him, but the detective has his pistol on him and they go in the in the prison. I was like, what? how does that work? Yeah, I was wondering if had you watched it, were, do you just sit there and pick apart the legalities? Oh, it's horrible. I, yeah, if it's yeah. a military movie, I'm just like it stresses me out because I'm like, why didn't they pay me a hundred bucks? I could have told them to put the patch on the right side. Yeah. Dave, did you just oh, meet Greg? Like, of course. Well, no, it, it affects me too. Like Greg says, if you watch something that you know, it's hard to give that temporary suspension of disbelief because you're like, boy, that just seems like it was so easy to do. Why didn't you just do it right? Just do it right. Right. But why wouldn't you do that? But the movie is so well done, it is done. that you, you, you forget you're watching a crime procedural. It's like NCIS or LA law 
you know, with the devil. It's crazy good. Yeah. So check it out. See it for yourself. Yes, Chachi. What what other great detail do you have for us? Yeah, well, Dave knows me. Once I know one thing about something, I need to know a hundred things about it. Yes. And so very interesting. The critics overall, if you look at 21 critic reviews, gave it a 33% out of 100. So the critics panned it. The audience who's watched it and rated it out of a score of 100 gave it a 96. Uh-huh. There it is. So the critics were raw. The audience are saying this is a great movie. They often are. Yeah. I mean, well, who are the I mean. critics? The, the critics were a bunch people. of cops and detectives watching it <laughs> and going, hey, he shouldn't have gone in there with a gun. They forget the movie aspect. I get it. I get mm -hmm. it. Uh, you know what bothers me, though? This, this movie reminds me of the fact that I had a chance to meet George Romero, the godfather of the zombie Hello. movies, right? Yeah. And I, I met him and was talking to him, and I said, when are we going to see a new George Romero zombie movie before they remake Day of the Dead? And he shook his head, and he said, they've remade it. It's coming out next year. Mm -hmm. And he goes, what makes me sick is I'm asking $13 million to make a brand new George Romero movie. And they're telling me, no, George, that's too much. And then they're paying somebody 25 million to make a remake of my movies. Yeah. That's just gotta be so aggravating. And then he finally gets the capital and all the fans have been rattling their cages, banging their pots and pans to get a new George Romero movie. And nobody goes and sees land of the dead. And it landed the box great. office. It is a fantastic love that movie. zombie it was movie. Very good. Yeah, well, oh. It was. It really what 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 was it? Oh, oh. Thank you. Yeah, bad connection again. There we are. Horrible hey, this is the way I like it. We'll have her back yeah. next week. I don't know when she doesn't realize you just agree with me on everything, or you get disconnected. It's the way of the oh mm -hmm. <laughs> sorry. Oh, uh, yeah. No, it was a really good movie. You're wrong, but that's okay. Uh, I don't no. know what you're talking about. I thought it was great. I was talking about how wrong you are that it, it no, is. No, I'm not movie. wrong. I thought it was a great movie. I don't know. That's saying. the that's the attitude we like around here. Yeah. Be like Dave. You're going to go far. Like Dave. Yeah. I um, love Romero so much. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. So that movie came out, hit the theaters, had a great cast, had a cool twist to the concept, and nobody went and saw it in the theaters. All the people banging their pans and begging for a new Romero movie, and then nobody went out and backed it up so irritating and they had a major budget for advertising i remember the commercials uh and and nothing came of it was it, I, was it big ed yeah something like that yeah 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 i i, I got to hang out with him uh name at comic-con or something yeah. i don't i don't remember any advertising for a land of the dead i remember seeing it on netflix and being like oh what's this when did this happen wow it's great yeah no i saw it and I loved it very much. John with Danger Will Robinson? No, 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 no. <laughs> That's a don't even what movie are you different talking? franchise. Good God, let's uh, let's get to uh, conspiracies before Sweet Tea is completely <laughs> obliterated and unable to That's talk a good about idea. it. You had an article that you uh, shared mm -hmm. with me this week about conspiracies and why we are so fascinated with them. Talk to me a little bit about the article, the the study, and what the findings mean. All right. The people who put this study together are Shauna Bowles, mm, Bowes, Bowes, Thomas Costello, and Arbor to see me. Okay. There were 170, 170 oh, studies, yeah. 257 samples, uh, okay. 1,000. 
429 effect sizes involved. This involved 158,473 participants. So they like ran the gamut there. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Basically, mm. let's, you know what? Let's just like break it down. Yeah, please. All right. Cool. Um, <laughs> Greg, Where should we start? <laughs> I, I just want to. I'm going to go. Just, it's so owly after <laughs> a few is... drinks and an hour into the show. Let's get break it down for us. Come on, come on I'm come back on, on task. Come on, we're listening. Right. Are you? There yes. are three key needs, and that is uh, understanding one's environment, mm -hmm. feeling secure and safe, mm -hmm. and maintaining a superior superior image of oneself or one's in group, their social okay. circus. Mm -hmm. Or circle. <laughs> circle, circus. I was a big fan of family circus. It was so fun. So, and yeah, like that cute. Timmy and the ghost Billy, guy, whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, whatever. So basically, what it runs down to is people that believe conspiracy theories. They very much need it for their safety their their mental safety they're like you know what i don't like how the rest of society is acting i don't like how i feel in my society in my social circle so i'm going to believe whatever you tell me if it fits into my like worldview and of course it's like there's humility that's involved with it if you have very low humility, you'll be like, yeah, I believe. Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you, I don't have a lot of intelligence, so I'm going to also mm, tell you what's actually going on in the world. It's, it's not, it's not stupid people. It's not like scared people, but it is a lot of those people. And it, oh. they found that 90% of the people out of 158 something thousand, mm -hmm. 90 percent of those people are susceptible to believing conspiracy theories hmm. i think everybody is to a level right depending on the Absolutely. conspiracy that's put out there mm -hmm. and uh, that that's what becomes so frustrating with me i, I have people ask dave when are you going to delve into this conspiracy or that conspiracy and i think like i said sometimes i just don't want to go in those dark places because i i like to be an escape for our listeners i like to take you into places of wonder and weirdness sometimes scary but scary in a way that it kind of feels safe when you start talking about illuminati and and dark uh, forces within our government that are are changing things and they can do this and can do that to us um it's really unsettling and then that affects me more than going into a room where I think there is a demonic uh, prisoner, right? Because yeah. that's something that seems out there to me, but I would rather face that than face the reality of what my own country or my own people or my, my own family ha may have been doing to me without me knowing about it. You hear about these kids that were kind of given over to the government to tr test with drugs and in changing babies in hospitals, separating twins at birth to see what they grew up to be like. And you just hear all of these things come out and it leaves you sitting there going, you know, I, this is not a world I want to be a part of because it's so disarming to me. And see, to me, buying into conspiracy theories would make me feel more on edge and more unraveled mm -hmm. in my sanity than accepting that there are things going on that I'm not familiar with 
but it gets hard to separate the reality from the fiction and the people that buy into the fiction so deeply and passionately and vehemently, they're the ones that terrify the hell out of me because there is no form of logic. I could walk you through it and they're going to tell you how you manipulated this and you pumped gas into the room and have been using hypnotic suggestion on me every time you move your hand this way, because I've seen videos talking about that. And now you believe what I'm telling you. And it's so weird to me that people's brains work in that way, that it's, it's terrifying. And I know, Greg, we've talked to you about people's belief systems when you're out doing police work and you have to walk that line very carefully to not instigate, irritate, or get them into a more aggressive state. But has anybody ever ranted you about something so obscenely bizarre that it actually frightens you? Because what if this guy is real? What if what he's saying is true? Oh, absolutely. When I, when I worked mental health for two years, I had multiple cases like that a week, <laughs> you know, it's just, uh, the, just, just a conspiracy theory with the government, CIA robots, uh, technology and software, all of that stuff. And the, the, the really disturbing part is, is I've been working uh, in, in law enforcement for 32 years and about 20 or 30% of that stuff is absolutely true. Hmm. So when, when you, when you look at that, you, you know, uh, Alex Jones, if he would have just reeled it back just a little bit, <laughs> you, you know, he was just so ridiculous on everything but he had 20% of what he's talking about is absolutely happening. And it is absolutely terrifying when you look at what we're spending government money on and how we, um, how we control that um, through funneling that money into corporations. And that sort of manipulation is just 20 years ago, you had a full hat on your head today. You just kind of go, Oh yeah, that's sure. They're doing that. Yeah. That's bizarre to me. That's chilling, but there are so many things that have come forward to start to realize that things maybe aren't what we've been led to believe. Listen, no. I'm a big proponent of the moon landing. I believe we landed on the moon. I believe that Neil Armstrong was up there, Buzz Aldrin, and that they did that. And then all of a sudden Buzz Aldrin, after slugging people for asking the question and being just livid how stupid can you be of course this took place all of a sudden there are these videos of him you know one of them he's in school talking to kids and they go what was the scariest thing about the moon landing and he just clearly looks at him and goes that it didn't happen <laughs> and and that he's in these little interview bits and he just uh, casually throws out it didn't we didn't go it didn't really happen and it's not like oh well we didn't go wink wink it's just casual, like you guys have been scammed this entire time and none of it actually took place. And all of a sudden my whole paradigm feels real uneasy and unhappy. Like I said, the one thing that keeps me going that it did take place is I believe China and Russia would love to rub our nose in it mm -hmm. to prove that we were never there and that we lied to our people and yeah. that China and Russia have right. not said that. And they've sent probes and they have uh, observatories that can see our garbage we left on the moon tells me that we, we made it to the moon. But did we make it to the moon and find visitors, which there is the common belief. Now, again, these conspiracies, to me, that's not a conspiracy. That's either fact or fiction. 
why would we hide it? I think we understand that there may have been reason behind it. Maybe these things said, you came here once, you've seen it, go home. Don't come back here and could explain the 50-year lap uh, lapse between our visits to the moon. What's the difference between fact and fiction and conspiracy theory? What you had just posited seems like a conspiracy theory. Well, it is. That's the conspiracy theory is that we didn't go to the moon or that when we got there, we met with aliens. Right, but the alien, right, that you were like, that's not a conspiracy theory. That's just fact or fiction. Well, right, because in that sense, it's not this deep vein of, well, it began with the Templars. And and I'm not putting down the Templars, but there's so many of the things that go and they, they go all the way back and, and so many jumps and leaps of of just strangeness to me that it's like, no, I could believe that we could go to the moon and, and encounter things there. Here's a perfect example. This video is making the rounds right now. And I don't know if you guys have seen this. Carl Wolf was a witness for the Disclosure Project back in 2001. He testified about his experience as a former Air Force sergeant involved in photographic interpretation. Wolf claimed to have seen images of structures on what we call the dark side of the moon that appeared artificial, suggesting the existence of extraterrestrial bases. His testimony aimed to encourage further investigation into the possibility of alien presence on the moon. Here's uh, clips from that actual deposition. My name is Carl Wolf, and I was a precision electronics with a top secret crypto clearance in the United States Air Force. I was stationed at Langley Air Force Base in Virginia. In 1965, uh, I was loaned to the Lunar Orbiter Project at NASA. They had problems with a piece of uh, electronic equipment that was bottlenecking their production of photographs. I went to the facility, and when I walked into the facility, um, I was taken into the laboratory where the equipment was malfunctioning. Airman second class was in the dark room at that time. I was also an airman second class. Um, I was interested in how the whole process functioned, how the data got from the lunar orbiter to the laboratory. I asked the young man if he described the process to me. He did. He said to me, um, in a very distressed way, we discovered a base on the backside of the moon. And then he proceeded to put photographs down in front of me, and clearly in these photographs were structures, uh, mushroom-shaped buildings, spherical buildings, and towers. Um, I worked there for three more days, and I remember going home and naively thinking, I can't wait to hear about this on the evening news. And here it is, more than 30 years later, and I will testify under oath before Congress that what I'm saying is the truth. So, wow. Right. I mean, that's bombshell kind of information that why am I 56 years old? This testimony came out in 2001 and I'm only now hearing about it is, is bizarre to me and certainly starts to reset the, the calibration of what I believe or what I think I believe in Dr. Stephen Greer's new documentary, the lost century and how to reclaim it. He presents an expose of a hundred years of illegal UFO secrecy which he says has cost humanity centuries of spiritual, cultural, and technological development. Carl Wolf, that was presented in that video and the audio bit, for those of you listening, um, was present, uh, presented it to the National Press Club in Washington, D.C. in 2001. That's what that clip is from. 
and uh, it's part of Dr. Stephen Greer's Disclosure Project testimonies. Sadly, but maybe not too um, surprisingly, uh, he, Mr. Wolf died in a biking accident in 2018. Uh. So it's interesting that uh, just before uh, this disclosure movement and things like that, this guy dies. Now, it can also be said, but Dave, that was 17 years prior. They waited a long time to ice this cat if it was really part of a conspiracy. And people do die in biking accidents. It happens. So there is that. I mean, you know, it'd be real easy to slide down that element of, look at this, but on a one-off. But if you start looking at other people that have come forward that have died in surprising, mysterious ways, can we look at it and say, well, is it that surprising? It was the 60s. He was a heavy smoker. He was overweight and, and you know, drinking alcohol all the time. So his death at the age of 58 may not actually be that surprising after all. So those are the moments, I mean, we have to re reel it back in a little bit and, and take a look at it. Um, I could easily make the, and I've joked about this when I've done my lectures on on possessed and haunted movies and cursed films, that you you hear about all these deaths associated with one movie. And I said, and if you don't believe in curses for movies, do you know that as of 2023, there's not one surviving member of Gone with the Wind. Sounds like a conspiracy to me. Is that true? Wow. It was made hundred oh, years ago. Yeah, as of now, everybody's dead. Wow. So, oh my god! Could we pin it to the Gone with the Wind curse? Obviously. It, Wait, it's, what? Right, exactly. So it's it's in the way it's presented. I could easily sway it and present and go, do you realize that these people died within this span? Blah, blah, blah. Now, Poltergeist movie, that's weird. There were so many deaths associated with every movie, including the lead actress, all of a sudden developing a, a blockage and dying in the middle of filming. So it's, it, you know, you start looking at that and you think, oh, what, what did they piss off? Not for movie? Yeah. Nosferatu was a big one like that. What what was Nosferatu? I don't know about <laughs> They're that. They're all dead. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> another one. Yeah. True. See? See? You play a vampire, you rip off Bram Stoker and create a character called Count Orlock and rip off the whole story, but just re-change the names. Everybody eventually died. Weird. Chachi wants to say something. Does I he? Can tell. Yeah. Okay, Chach, what have you got? I, no, I've been enjoying <clears throat> my, my drinks this evening. Um, so... Knowing that Sweet Tea was going to talk about this tonight, she and I caught up earlier today. And so I did a little mm -hmm. research. Time Magazine mm -hmm. had done a little research of their own and identified through their own surveys the top 10 conspiracy theorists that Americans believe. Hmm. Okay. okay. The so theorists or the theories? Okay. I've got that list in front of me. Okay. I would love to know your opinions, what you think might be on that list, but preferably, obviously, number one. Oh. JFK. JFK is number one. Moon landing. Is number five. Wow. Uh, that, Flat Earth. Flat Earth. Not on here. Uh, what? There's like three people that believe in that. The, uh, the dark side of the moon. never been on Reddit. The, uh, the, the things on the, on the moon. Alien moon landings interaction. That's number Paul McCartney. Five. McCartney's number four. Very good. Wow. Roswell. Number three. Wow. Yeah. That's all I okay. got. So run, run them off for us from 10 to 1. 10. The reptilian elite, which I saw in the chat side, a few people talking about that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This one I had never heard. The CIA introducing AIDS. 
Mm. Had you guys ever heard that one? No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was it was very interesting that um I'm sorry. No, <laughs> no keep going. Frank, keep going. No, All right. Frank. So it basically the CIA introduced AIDS um into um three different communities in the early 60s, believe it or not, um through testing for some other virus. So they were doing a test, but injecting people at the same time. Holocaust revisionism. Now that's a more recent one in the last few years. And this was a 2023 study. Oh, like it doesn't exist that thing. Like it never happened. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's, there's the complete deniers. Then there are the ones that say, listen, the numbers have been inflated. It it, it definitely happened, but it was not to the tune of 18 million. It was more like 180,000, which is no less horrific to me. Yeah. Like that's better. You know, any right, sort of extermination, but you understand the concept then that if you can, if it's been reported and accepted as such for so long, and we find out it wasn't really eighteen million, it was one hundred and eighty thousand. You can understand why people start to question the validity of the entirety of an issue. Um, in this case, we know it happened. My grandfather fought in war because of it and saw these things happen. Sure, Dave, you're just part of the machine, man. You just want us to believe. So I've, I've never been one. And those are why I don't talk to most conspiracy theorists, because I don't want to entertain the concept that the Holocaust did not happen mm-hmm. or Sandy Hook was a uh, uh, false no. flag and nobody was killed. Uh, I got into huge fights mm-hmm. and actually did shows. And, and it was one of the few times I put my foot down saying no. And you can hate me all you want for saying that it's not a hoax. We have friends that had boots on the ground stepping over the bodies of children. Nope. And you're going to no. tell me it did not happen. Go to hell. That's what yeah, I have to say no. to you. Yeah. I, you took yeah. the sweet tea approach to that, Dave. I liked that. I did. Yeah. Shut All up. right. So, reptilians, CIA <sighs> AIDS, Holocaust revisionism, Jesus and Mary Magdalene. Yeah. I like that. What, I like what, that. What? what? Jesus Dave, and Mary Magdalene were married and that the mm-hmm. bloodline continues on. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Moon landings were faked. Sweet tea is one of the bloodline. That's weird. correct. Moon yep. landings were faked. Secret societies such as the Illuminati control the right. world. Right. Paul McCartney is dead. Mm-hmm. Area 51. That was number three. Number two, which nobody mentioned, but I did see in the chat, the 9-11 cover-up. Well, sure. Right. And then, of course, the JFK assassination. Boom. Now, it's interesting. This was January of 2023 this was done. Right. And the article goes on to state that they didn't ask about COVID and the 5G and all that, but that that is becoming more and more popular at the time. So we're, what, a year away since that happened? Yeah. Jan, I don't want to hear about that. I, I think it's bizarre that of all of the things that have influenced and affected our world, you know, Illuminati, that you have these power players that are manipulating our reality and manipulating our world. They're the money guys, all of that. That seems like a big deal. Did we land on the moon? We spent billions of dollars in, in all of these claims. That seems like it's kind of a big deal. Who killed John F. Kennedy and RFK and Martin Luther King? Those seem like big deals. Did Paul McCartney really die and be replaced? <laughs> Number four. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Because everyone wants to know. It was in all the albums. Because I'm surprised Elvis faked his death was not part of that list then. I think that we all got past that. Again, January 23, I think those folks have started to pass away. You start asking, like, today's youth, 
These are the Wait things a minute. They but the Beatles, Paul McCartney dying would have been earlier on than Elvis faking his death because McCartney supposedly died. Are, you have Ringo and Paul still alive, right? right? Still making music, still being talked about. Elvis is way down the serious XM station at this point. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah. Thing. Tell, I'll Austin, give to Greg. tell Austin Butler that who just won an Academy Award or some kind of an award. I don't know. I, I don't. Hey, I'm getting credit for something. Yeah, yeah. I was saying, no. Greg's like, let Eric speak. So listen, we had this discussion one time. Uh-huh. I said, you know, musicians go on forever. You'll be remembered. The Beatles remembered hundreds of years from now. Mm-hmm. I remember this. He's like, really? Tell me the last time anybody talked about Glenn Miller, the biggest uh, artist of the 30s. I'm like, ooh, that's a good one. In the mm-hmm. 90s, maybe? Uh, okay, sweetie. <laughs> um, so anyways. She's saying I, that in the 90s would have been probably the last time somebody talked about Glenn Miller. I was answering your question. That's no, <laughs> wow. Shut up. So the, the question will become, yeah. I always thought musicians would be thought about for hundreds of years. The music would live on. Will it though? Mm. It changes, right? It, yeah, it changes. changes. So uh, ideas change. I mean, when, it, uh, w- when I'm training young cadets uh, and I have them, uh, you know, crawling around in the mud or whatever and tell them you, Sing the uh, the theme song from Gilligan's Island. And I'll let you all out of the mud. Yeah, they come to me thirty minutes later and go, "Hey, uh, what's Gilligan's Island?" Yeah, I don't know what that is. Yeah, so, hmm, interesting. But I feel Did like the Beatles and the oh, no. the Beatles and Elvis are very different things. Like, uh, the Beatles were weird. Elvis was not. And for the Beatles to be like. We have this weird conspiracy theory planted in a bunch of our songs and a bunch of our albums. I think that's just like, mm. uh, that's the way it goes. Like, yeah, of course that's going to live on further than Elvis because Elvis isn't weird. But people that listen to the Beatles are like, have you heard this weird thing that happens in their music? And also maybe in some of their imagery and also maybe some mm. of their movies. Well, I know one thing. Lynn and I were uh, at Graceland on uh, Sunday, and Elvis is dead. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Wait, Elvis is dead? Yeah. Oh, I, that's too bad. I well, have listen, to update guys, my calendar. It's been a good show. Uh, Dave, I guess, went ahead and bolted. <laughs> it looks like he was done with us. Uh, wow. Yeah, it's, it's unusual, but you know, this is the time of the show where Dave usually gets tired of our, our banter. So. That's true. You know, I had one more thing I wanted to talk about tonight. If you guys have some time here, I wish that you would. Yes. Yeah, great. So, one of the things that I'd I'd be interested in your thoughts on this. I I was reading the actual story, Sweet Tea, that you were referencing earlier. And it said that a lack of analytical thinking emerged as a significant predictor of people Mm -hmm. that would believe in conspiracy theories. Mm -hmm. So, they said individuals who exhibited lower levels of analytical thinking and cognitive reflection were more inclined to endorse conspiracy theories. The relationship suggested that a less critical approach to information processing might predispose individuals to accept unverified or speculative ideas. Hmm, imagine that. But I wonder, I think of it opposite though, and Greg, I'm going to ask you, being a law enforcement, right? People that think differently, they're saying they lack analytical thinking. I always thought someone that had a completely different view of the accepted cultural norm actually had more analytical thinking. They gave more thought to it. Do you see that in um, in your work as a law enforcement? 
Sure. Yeah. Um, and, and the belief, Dave talked about this earlier, the belief systems that some people have lead them down that trail of solving the crime in their own mind. And so-and-so did it when they're not using any kind of deductive reasoning or any kind of logical, uh, you know, uh, method in order to, uh, reach that conclusion. So it, you, you have to, you have to realize that people have values, assumptions, beliefs, and expectations uh, built in to their uh, experience and their own training. And they're going to go down that line and make the evidence fit uh, what they believe. Interesting. Talking about Paul is dead. We hmm. lost the original Mr. Schrader, but he's been replaced with the new. <laughs> wow. So Schrader. Yeah. Yeah. Look at him. He's not as wrinkly. 2.0. <laughs> but yet wow. you are still purpley. Uh, hey, before we say goodbye, we yes. love to talk science. We've talked about many different things. Chachi, believe it or not, an hour and 28 minutes in, it's time to shine. The paranormal news crew knows they're going to show you how science goes. So listen up and learn to grow in your NASA, NASA, or we should call it NASTA, nasty, uh, just cannot uh, leave Uranus alone. What uh, is the news about Uranus this week, Chachi? Dave, for, first off, am I the only one that has my own song? By yes, Blindo? you are. Yep. Gotta love Blindo. Yeah. This story blew me away. Mm -hmm. I read it the first I time. I don't tell. I'm literally. sorry, what? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uranus it blew me blew him away. Away. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. All right. Away, sweet tea. Mm -hmm. Did you know mm -hmm. that the James Webb Telescope, our favorite telescope, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. unveiled a brand new image of Uranus? Dave. What? Of what? And they dubbed Uranus the portal to another dimension. Oh, yeah. That makes Thank sense. Thank you. Thank you. Who knew Uranus uh, was a portal to another dimension, Dave? Mm -hmm. So, What's crazy about this story is that they believe that, well, they being astronomers, let me be really clear. Okay. Okay, astronomers. Be, not me. Be, yeah. <laughs> Does astronomers mean something else now? I'm just asking. We'll find out. What do the okay. astronomers believe? Go ahead. Let's go. Ahead. go. That the image captured, uh -huh. which is the most recent image since the Voyager 2 in 1986, Dave. Mm -hmm. How many years is that? Like 12 Correct. Yeah. The new image discloses a substantial amount of activity around Uranus that they had never seen before. Oh. The surroundings mm -hmm. are not the way they were 38 years ago. Huh. In a forthcoming yeah. exploration. Yeah. A forthcoming exploration. Yep. Promises to offer more insights into Uranus than ever before. Wow. So that's exciting. It's a very short article, but as all of you know, I keep up on Uranus, Dave, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, like nobody I know. You love and it. And so there's there's literally new articles being written every few weeks. And so I don't have a lot of information mm -hmm. other than to say, 
quite possibly looking at Uranus, Dave, mm -hmm. could be a portal to another dimension. We're going to have to wait and see what they learn when this mission happens here shortly. Wow. I wonder if uh, Uranus is pummeled by asteroids. It mentioned nothing about that. Oh. I, I thought that myself. Um, it did Maybe not look like it had anything irregular around Uranus. Might mm -hmm. be that they're just the the asteroids are just zipping right through the portal of Uranus. Hmm. What what surprised me was the number of photographs of Uranus, Dave, that they had. <laughs> Does it really? How many? In this day and age, with selfies all the time, Uranus is going to be a selfie machine. I mean, it's I just so want cool. you y'all to know something. Yeah. What's that? I'm yes, working please. on a project right now with oh, Jake, no. the telescope people. Uh huh. And the moon. Dropper. Believe it or not. I don't. <laughs> well, you need to. Now, but is, this, is this episode going to ruin all those chances for you? No, no. Um, is this, this what got you in the door? Deal. Did this you flip your, your badge? I'm a paranormal 60 news crew it's member. Be a deal, man. This. I'm telling you. One thing I wanted to add this, this was mm -hmm. the, the last part of the article. It did yeah. mention that yeah. this mission that they're talking about to Uranus, Dave. Mm -hmm. has not been approved by NASA yet. Oh, so we may never approved know. By? We may... Paleontologists are still awaiting approval. Who, wait, who is doing, doing the study or whatever it is? Paleontologists. Paleontologists. So... The pistol and the... Did you, no. where, just out of curiosity, where did this story come from? Was it <laughs> Mad <made> Magazine? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A lot of the words don't make sense now that I look at it more closely, Dave. Words, words is hard. Words is hard, Dave. Nothing's changed in two years. No, not at all. Good lord. Uh, well, what an exciting and, and memorable night it's been. Let's reflect back, shall we? Scott Walter stopped by to talk to us about so the great. probability that Atlantis existed, but not as just one landmass, but as an entire central hub yeah. of communication and insight. Then we talked about conspiracy theories, the concepts that things may not be what we once believed them to be, mm -hmm. or even more terrifying, maybe they are exactly as we believe uh, them to be. And then we've been hammering Uranus for months now. And here we are, one last chance to really dive deep into Uranus and realize that the portal that is Uranus may have even more information for us stored in it than the vaults of King Tutankhamun's crypt. My, my hope is that I'll be back in a few weeks mm -hmm. to talk more about Uranus, Dave. Oh. Why is it the last chance? Why did you say that? I don't want it to be the last chance. Mm. To, of what? For us to explore Uranus. Well, it, well I'm just, we are going to stop exploring Uranus, Dave. Don't you uh, worry. That's good to know. Thank you. I can oh go to bed. God. I can go to bed sleeping just a little bit better, knowing that you guys are going to continue to probe until we get the oh answers my, that everybody, absolutely, all of I our think we all will be deserve. Just so you're aware, like like I mentioned here a moment ago, this this new mission has not been approved. Uh -huh. So I, I don't want to share too much, like Scott did earlier, right? But <laughs> no, no, I mean he, he couldn't share too much. I can't. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. The paleontologist said I'm what? I'm working right now in my yeah. garage, Dave, during my free time. I am working on a new probe for Uranus, Dave. <gasps> That's exciting. I, I can't say a lot about it. 
Are you working in secret with Greg and his friends at the uh, no, James Webb Telescope? It's separate. I was asked mm -hmm. to partake, but I said, nope, this is a special Uranus probe for Dave. Nice. Oh. Yeah. That's the that's the kind of quality control I like. Unlike Greg, who's like, oh, I'm working on a secret project that has nothing to do with you or the show, Dave. So <laughs> I Chachi's like, Dave, I'm going to Amazon clearance warehouses and buying parts, <laughs> and I'm building uh, a probe for Uranus. And I'm excited about it. I can't speak for everybody else on the show. We've had a great time with you tonight, and I hope that you've been drinking along with us so it's as funny to you as it is to the four of us. Well, three of us and one grumpy old man. We will be back next week with more of the best in paranormal news. Why? Because we have nothing better to do on Wednesday nights. I'm Dave Schrader, and this is the Paranormal 60 News Crew. It's Wednesday night, and I'm alone. It's just for paranormal freaks like me With poltergeists and ghosts and blues and UAPs You miss a word, you do a shot It starts to snowball and we laugh a lot It's just like drinking with your TV friends I'll be best out before tonight's show ends Dreaming the aliens are taking me away I'll go wake up till sometime late on Saturday It's Wednesday night and I'm alone Paranormal 60s on Traders on Traders on Traders on Shachi and the Colonel and the Paranormal Detective always traders got me and they all will be corrected He's got protective phrases and some crazy magic tricks Even Scully cannot save him from the voice of Stevie Nicks Traders on, traders on. It's Wednesday night, don't be alone. The paranormal 60s on. Now one day Dave might even put me on his show There's a ghost in Mama's Facebook, man, I live down there, I know It's Wednesday night, don't be alone The paranormal 60s on Traders on Traders on Words is hard